And I want all of you to know wherever you're sitting, standing, you are critical to this house. You are important. Now, the enemy is going to tell you that you don't matter. That's a lie of the devil. Mm -hmm. That's a lie, and you've got to rebuke that. And if you play into that, then you're just playing into the snare he has set for you. Now, I want all of the folks to hear me when I tell you this. We are 40% full. We are 40%. (laughs) Because when we move northward, this is all about 40%, maybe if we're lucky, 40%. (laughs) That means we've got some work to do. Because I'm happy right now. Your pastor's happy right now because I'm I'm seeing a lot of worshiping faces. But I'm going to be depressed if we are 40% and we have 60% empty chairs. So we got work to do to find people and to do what God has called us to do in in this city, in this time. Amen. Amen. As the Lord was speaking to me. And I marinated on the word. And when I tell you I marinated, I had two Bibles open to the two scriptures that the Lord gave to me. And I just looked at them. I read them and I reread and I reread and I just let it sit there. And I could hardly even write down a note. And even last night, I just went to bed without a single note. But the word was just burning inside of me. And I'm fully occupying the office today of which the Lord has called me to occupy. And I believe that the spirit is going to help us today. I'm not going to help us. I'm going to say I'm going to help you. But when I say that, just I'm kind of like the ambassador. But it's not really me. It's the Lord. You understand that, right? It's really the Lord. Some, some of us have a little issue here because you're familiar with my voice. And you, you struggle a little bit between the humanity and, and what the Spirit speaks. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> you're not alone. Is that you, Lord, speaking through me? Yes. Amen. Acts chapter 13 I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost on me. So I know that the Lord is in, in control. I feel, the, I feel anointed today. Ah. Acts 13. Oh my. Who is man that you are mindful of him, Lord? A son of man that you would visit him. Paul's preaching. Verse 26. Men and brethren, 
children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. To you is the word of this salvation sent. Say it now. I'm privileged. Put your hand on yourself and say, I'm privileged. I'm privileged. We've been blessed. You've been asking for blessings. You need to stop asking for blessings. You've already been blessed. You should ask God, help me to become a blessing. How many more blessings do you need today? For they that dwell in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning Jesus. And even though they found no cause, to kill him, they desired of Pilate that he should be slain. He's preaching, and now we skip to verse 42 of the same chapter. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. But the next Sabbath day came, and the next Sabbath day came, and something changed. Almost the entire city gathered to hear the word of God. I'll end here. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Amen. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You can put your Bibles down just for a moment and just whatever expression you have to, to give God thanks and praise. Just do that. seated I thank you for standing I'll need your uh, thought and mind this Bible is made up of 66 individual books 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It was written over a span of just about 1,500 years. It is, in fact, the inspired word of God given by God to men. Holy men of God spake. They wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. It was, it was exactly like a dictation now, there are other historical writings that are not in the Bible, but, are, um, but do accompany the Scripture. Multiple different historical books 
Josephus was a historical writer. But the Bible is God's book to us. And each entry of it is not only significant, but these books of origin and, and law and history and poetry and prophecy, the letters, the gospels, the revelation, all of them are weaved together by the same voice which spoke them into existence. And having said that, we find our way back to Acts chapter 13 now in God's holy Bible. The Spirit draws my attention, however, into the Old Testament writings that now are in conjunction with Acts 13. It's an amazing thing that both these testaments, old and new, are so carefully crafted and so divinely scripted. God had all of that in play. They, they do not contradict each other. Mm-hmm. In the early days of King Saul, um, there is a transition taking place. Before King Saul, the people were led by spiritual voices. But Israel has demanded a secular system of government. They looked around to other nations and they said, we want to be like them. In hindsight, it was sad to see the prophet Samuel would be the last of Israel's spiritual heads. All of the coming prophets after him would sound alarms, they would offer advice, but none would lead like Samuel because they would contend with this new secular government. And the secular government had taxation involved in it. It had oversight. It had rules. It, it, it had uh, conscripted armies. It, it, it made demands of land and property and, and flocks and, and harvest. Saul started out, he had the prophet Samuel at least for a little while, but position is a dangerous thing. Power is a corrupting force like none other. And this power that Saul had could be described and has been described by many great men and women as individualism or an individualist. To be able to express yourself in whatever way you choose, there's almost no greater privilege, but also no greater danger. To be able to say whatever you want at any time, There's no greater privilege, but there's also no greater danger. Most of the known world today does not have freedom of speech or freedom of expression. You you hear the word a democracy. This is a democracy over that nation and that nation. But you you think that it's like America. It's not like this. Most of them have no freedom of expression. Words come at a cost in most countries of the world. To say whatever you want, it can cost you imprisonment, your life, your business. Yes. I'll pause to give honor who have served and have paid the price for the freedom of our expression. Those men and women in this house, you deserve our recognition because you've offered something to us we could not have ourselves. Most of the world doesn't have it, but because of you. But there is also this danger in this power called individualism. 
The dark side of it is a rejection of servanthood. Please listen carefully. The dark side of individualism is a lack of servanthood. The more autonomous you are, the less servant you are. It is without dispute that King Saul began with worship. Reading your Bible, he was speaking the things of God. When the Bible says he prophesied, it, means, it meant he was speaking about God. He was, he was uttering all the things of God. He spoke of the Lord with the young men of the school of prophets. This is how he began, but that's not how he ended. <laughs> the ending and the beginning can be two different things. If you started out with the Lord, end with the Lord. But whatever way you began, you do not need to end in the same fashion. If you began hateful, you can end with kindness. If you started angry, you can end with temperance. If you began proud, you can end with meekness. You have the power to change. Your family culture and your ethnicity is not an impossible prison. Your environment is not the ruler of you. If you want to change, you can. If you want to be spiritually minded, you can be spiritually minded. Here's how it happens. To receive, start giving. Oh, that's... That's rarely accepted. Let me just do that again. If you want to receive, start giving. Because the Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down shaken together running over shall men give to you give and you'll receive you want to receive start giving you want to get out of your hole start giving you want to get out of your financial morass start giving if you need joy worship like you would after the answer came you're waiting for the answer before you start praising. But if you'll start praising, you'll get the joy that you need to get through the problem. You have the power to change if you want to. You are without excuse. If you need clarity, if your heart's hurt, if you've been wounded, start memorizing the scripture. The scripture will wash your brain and your mind every time. It is impossible for one well to bring forth sweet and bitter water. You start memorizing scripture and all of a sudden your mind's going to start healing. You'll start, your thoughts will start healing. The reason why you're still dealing with hurt and pain and rejection and all the junk because you've not been in the word. Start memorizing the word. Put it to memory. Memorizing the word is not for Sunday school kids. It's not for Bible school kids. It's for all God's kids. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What kind of knowledge? Not world history, not secularism, not mathematics, not astrology, not geography. My people are destroyed because they don't know the word. Hide the word in your heart. That's memorization. It is a shame that the modern Pentecostal apostolic church knows more about the world than they do about the Lord. You ought to know more about the apostles than you do about the sports figure. Hide the word. If you're hurt, get the word in you. 
Listen, there are countries that would love to have this book in their hand, but if they get it, it could cost them their life. We are without excuse. Amen. We're without excuse. Don't tell me that you need a counselor. You have the great counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You're paying money for a counselor, but you've never put the word in you. And God can heal your emotions. I'm occupying the office that God called me to occupy. If you got a problem with that, go talk to Jesus. I didn't do it. <laughs> well, all right. If you want a friend, well, this is a big church and I have a friend. Go be friendly. Well, they rejected me. Find someone else. Be a friend. Be a friend. Stop walking around and say, well, nobody loves me. Well, everybody will love you. Be loving. Be complimentary. Be kind. Somebody will grab a hold of that because somebody's wanting you to be a friend. But you want that friend. If you can't that friend, you say, well, I just I'm not, I'm don't feel involved. The Bible says if you, be a, if you want a friend, be friendly. Well, nobody understands me. Really? That's a lie. There's a bunch of lies going around here. I'm going to banish all those lies. That's a lie of the devil. I don't feel a part. That's because you haven't served. If you serve, you serve your way into a part. This is a church and a body. It's not a country club. You didn't pay admission to get in here. The way you got in here is through the cross of Calvary. And he was a servant and he served and he died. Come on, somebody ought to rejoice. We're going to serve our way into the kingdom. You can change. If you want your family to be saved, then you be sold out. Be sold out. You want your children to be saved? You want them to be spiritual? You want them to love God? You be sold out. When's the last time you came to the altar and fell on your face? (laughs) Okay. Uh, If you desire... To be used of the Lord, then start by loving everyone because love is the great gift you give to yourself when you love other people. What does it cost you to give a compliment? Let me ask you, what does it cost you to give a compliment without a qualifier? See, when you give a qualifier, that's your pride trying to control their reaction. I don't want to give you the big head, but you did really good. You know what that is? That's a qualifier. You're trying to control their level of of height. I don't want to put you on a pedestal. Why, why, Why don't you want to do that? Because you're so prideful, you're trying to control their reaction to your compliment. You've just destroyed their compliment, and you've put them down further than what you wanted to when you started. But love doesn't do that. Love said, you're going to make it. I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad that you're doing good. I believe in you. I'm so thankful for you. (laughs) Got to use your brain right now. (laughs) If you want to be respected, show honor. Show honor. This is what we did today. We're showing honor to our servicemen and women who sacrificed their time. Some of them actually put their life in harm's way. 
Some of them are not here today, and I know you, you are watching. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of our heart. We honor you today. We thank God for you. If you want to break the chains of any addiction, go on a 40-day fast. I've been there 11 times. I'll go again with you if you need to break the chains of addiction. But if you're not serious about it, then just cry about it. Deal with it all your life. Be crippled. Be hamstrung. Be tied. But you can change, you can change anything if you'll go to prayer and fasting. And God will help you break the chains and loose those things in your life. We are without excuse. We live in the greatest country that, that ever existed in the history of mankind. And we have the scripture and the freedom to shout and to praise and to thank God. And there's no reason why we should not be powerful and apostolic. That's why I say, wherever you began, you do not have to end the same way. Whatever you started with, you don't have to end the same way. You can change it right now, today. I rebuke depression, and I'm calling you out of that. I'm calling you out of depression. I'm calling you into joy. But you've got to make your way into worship. Ah. Let's just, let's look at the Bible and I'll settle down. I'm sorry. Saul began very strong as king. He ended very weak. He began with prophecy, but he ended with silence. He was cut off. He, he was called in a literal valley and he died on a hill. Lowly. He, in fact, when you were small in your own eyes, God said, didn't I make you the captain of the host? But in the end, he was filled with jealousy and it devoured him. He had it, but he allowed his position to determine his worth. Oh, no. The gift of kingship was given to him. He had no right to it. But upon receiving it, he believed himself worthy because now he had it. He was not king by heritage, for there was no prior monarch. He was not born to a family of royals. There was no fan family lineage. They were all just children of Abraham, and that was more than enough. But when you become ruler of your own domain, it's difficult to act like a servant. Kings are not servants. Individualism is not subjected to any authority. And King Saul moved from gratefulness toward God to anger toward the people. And while King Saul is summarily destroying himself, God is raising up David. While Saul is building self... Self-made images, self-made monuments. David is in the field killing bears and lions, preparing for a greater giant. David is in training. He don't even know it while Saul is in demise. And he too is oblivious. And God, here's your Bible, repents that he elected Saul. Which means that God changed his mind. This is only one of two times in the Bible which a scripture uses this word about God, that God changed his mind. Genesis 6 and 6, at the height of the world's sinful state, God is grieved. Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord, but God repents that he ever made man, and he wipes out the earth's population. It was a predestinated change in the course of history. The great flood and the kingship of Saul. 
it should tell us something about the severity of the moment of King Saul. God would not tolerate self. He rejected the image and the authority of this carnal king. Saul had everything that he could ever want, but he despised it, much like Esau. The birthright given with no effort offered. Esau was just born into it. Saul was given something he did not earn, but over time and coupled with pride, the gift looks like it was deserved. All of this happened before David killed Goliath. The issue was with God, and then it was with Samuel, and it was God, and it was Samuel. It was not about anyone else, but but when David showed up, (laughs) Saul threw his spear at David. He took out his anger on David. Saul had everything. He had the blessing. He had the promise. He had the position. He had a prophet. But he thought of himself and he forgot the word of God. You can hear and you can listen. But you that does not mean you're going to do what you hear. You can have the opportunity but not heed the message. Yes. Samuel was there. Samuel was vested. Samuel was the guiding voice, directing and nourishing. He wanted Saul to succeed. And when Saul fell away, Samuel went into mourning. And God had to tell Samuel, get up. Stop weeping. Look at your Bible. God said, go anoint a new king. God literally told the prophet Samuel to move on. Take your flask of oil and go find the new king and anoint him. Because the prophet fell into deep sorrow because he had such high hopes for King Saul. And we think this is harsh. That God would just say, move on. I've wiped him out. The American church thinks the Bible and the prophet can be managed through good intention. We struggle with God cutting people off. You obviously haven't read Acts chapter 5. Where Ananias and Sapphira died in the church. That's the apostolic age. Some churches are, and after they died, Ananias and Sapphira died, they had a massive revival. Which tells me that some churches are just a few good funerals away from having an explosion of revival. Oh man. That's messing with you, isn't it? You thought that was just in the Old Testament. No. We're dealing in terms of power, not spirituality. Because we have power, but that doesn't mean we're spiritual. Uh, Now, now the Spirit's going to help us now. We have power, but that does not mean that we're spiritual. We struggle with this. We struggle that someone can be powerful, but be carnal. How can that be? I'm going to tell you right now that a person can have gifts and still be carnal. Let's look at the Bible because you think I just made that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 6. I'm just catching, catching in stride. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Here's to the church in Corinth. Corinth was powerful so that ye come behind in no gift. They had all the gifts. The church in Corinth had all the gifts. The Corinthians had it all. But two chapters later, 1 Corinthians 3, 1, Paul said, I couldn't even speak to you as spiritual because you're carnal. You're powerful, but you're carnal. And Billy Cole told us and taught us decades ago that you can be spiritual, but not not 
but not powerful, and you can be gifted, but not spiritual. (laughs) You have truth. You've got it. You have it. It's here in the house. You've got it. Here's the Bible. For the invisible things of him that from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You are never going to get away from it. We see it. You can, you can claim that you are an atheist, but if you look in the sky and you look at the human body and you look at the structure of a molecule or an atom, atom, you've got to know God had to do this. Somebody had to do this. This was not random. We are without excuse. When you look at this house and this church, given this word and the Holy Ghost and everything that we have, we are without excuse. We have got to be a powerful church and a spiritual church. That's right. And we're struggling with that. You know why we're struggling? Because we don't understand the difference. But when Saul did not follow the word given, he became carnal. That's why he put his armor on David. Because when you get carnal, you think that your gifting should apply to everybody else. He saw a shepherd boy. What he really saw was humanity. And he lost the sight of God. He didn't think that God could use a man, a boy like him. He said, well, I'll tell you what. I've got to anoint you. I've got to put my, my, my armor on you. That's the only way you're going to fight the Goliath. But David put the armor on. He said, it doesn't fit. I cannot use it because I have have not proved it. Amen. That's a clear sign that someone is very carnal. They have the gift, but they don't have the mind of God. So they think that their way is the only way. You might struggle with this because you cannot imagine someone having a gift, but not being right in their heart. Paul said, though I have the gift of prophecy, but have not love. If I have knowledge, if I have to give a faith, but I have not love, I'm nothing. He didn't say you don't have the gift of prophecy, you don't have knowledge, you don't have faith. He said, if I have that, but I don't have love, if you have the gift, but you're not spiritual, you're nothing. All right. Because we get confused. We confuse the heart with the gift. The Bible says in the last days, people will come and they'll say, Lord, did we not cast out devils? Who can cast out devils? That's powerful people. Who can speak in healings and miracles? Those are powerful people. But the Lord will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I gave you the gift, but you wouldn't give me your heart. Oh, man. Every Sunday, every Sabbath, every Sabbath, words and prophecies and wonders and miracles every Sabbath until we are without excuse. We have it, ladies and gentlemen. You have it. But unless you do something with it, then all we have is position and all we have is speaking in tongues. I'm thankful for it. But we got to do something because position without purpose results in carnal living. And hearing without action is knowledge without obedience. And if you don't have obedience, you have nothing. If you're not obedient, you have nothing. I don't care how many, how many visions you have and how many dreams you have all that's good but it's time for you to do something with what God has given to you oh I'm preaching today I'm preaching we got to get our heart right we got to get our mind right we got to get our lives right we got to get in the flow we can have the Holy Ghost but we got to have the Holy Ghost in us and through us and doing something few years ago brother shock came to me and he out of the blue he said to me pastor let me just tell you something if your kids go crazy when they're older 
Don't blame yourself. You've given them all the tools to be saved. (laughs) I hope that wasn't a prophecy. I thought I'd pause today and preach to my four children. You are without excuse. You are without excuse. You've been born into something that's greater than you. You've been born into an apostolic heritage. Don't squander it. You didn't earn it and you don't deserve it. But God was gracious to you. He was loving to you, Roman. He cared for you, Alexandra. And he gave you a gift. The gift is not being a pastor's kid. We've never used that card around here. We never talked about that. The gift is the Holy Ghost and it's holiness. It's the knowledge that there is one God, that the mighty God is Jesus, that in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The gift is not the family you were born in. The gift is the family you were crafted and grafted into. It's God's family. Because if you don't get this, I'll tell you where it's going to end up. It's going to end up in anger. And people who are not servants get angry with God, but they'll never say they're angry with God. People who are jealous don't walk around and say, I'm a jealous person. Well, what's your problem? I, I envy everything. I just, you know, your stuff, I'd like to have that. People don't walk around and say that. I mean, you got to be kind of nutty. There's a couple of them, I guess. You know, a little fruit loop, a little walk around saying that. No one's, no one's well, what's your problem? Well, I'm, I'm jealous of everybody. No one says that. Nobody says it. I envy everything that everyone has. No one says that. You know what they usually say? Well, look at that person. They're just all pious and pompous. Really, that's just jealousy. You're angry that God did not give you what God gave them. The reason why God gave that to them is because God knew they could have that and still make it to heaven. But he entrusted that with you because he might have to bring you down low and strip you of everything just so you can be saved. Because he don't care about your comfort here. I don't care who wrote the book. He don't care about you having a nice life down here. He cares about you having an eternal life up there. You've been given gifts, but you got to get your heart right. Because you can have all of this and still be carnal. And you are without excuse. And I'm going to tell you, I may not be the best pastor, and I'm probably not the best preacher, but I'm your pastor, and I'm your preacher, and I'm preaching the word today that there's only one way to be saved, and you are without excuse every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. Listen, I'm not trying to be self-deprecating so that you can pat me on the back. Please don't do that. I'm speaking the truth. There's a lot of great pastors and a lot of great preachers, but at least we have the word. And if you got the word, it's enough to save you. We've got the gospel. You've got the gospel. You've got the gospel. We can have revival. We're only 40% right now. But if you'll get back to the book, you won't stay idle. You won't say, well, you know, that's not my department. The early church had not, none of them had an outreach department. 
There was no such thing as an outreach department in the early church. Because everybody thought we got power to be a witness. Here and there, I got a power to be a witness. Let's go find somebody and bring him to Jesus. Let's find somebody and bring him to the water. Let's find somebody. But what America has done, we've rested on the gifts. And now we want them to serve us. Because we forgot what our veterans did. And we don't understand the price of freedom. So what America is doing is fighting against the very fabric that made it. We're arguing against the very thing that brought us this liberty. And it doesn't stop just in America. It's, it's, it's in the church where we come and say, well, bless me, Lord. Oh, if you'll just bless me. Why don't you start blessing him? And why don't you start blessing them? Why don't you start doing good to someone else? Why do you keep thinking about yourself? Several years ago... Several years ago, probably five or six years ago now. In fact, we had just been in this building not too long. And so it might be longer than that. And someone called me. If you're here, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm, sometimes I'm... I'm uh, some, yeah. And the woman called and said, uh, Yeah, we're thinking about moving to your town. and I, We want to know, what do you offer? Excuse me? Yeah, what, what, what does your church offer? She said about her family, I don't know what was in me that day. Just a, a rottenness. A little brat. I said, nothing. We don't offer nothing. We probably could have had another family join us, but, but I, was, I was an angry elf. And I, what do you offer? Nothing. We don't know. Oh, no, no, no. No, Pastor. But we, we've seen your live feed. And we know about church. And so we just want to know, what do you offer? Nothing. We don't offer nothing. Don't come here and try to get something. You come here and give something. When do you come here? You come here to give something. You come here to bless and help and nurture. And if you know the Lord, you should exercise that. You've got the gift, but you've got to be spiritual. Because you can have religion. There's a lot of religious people, but they have no relationship. You got religion. We got, we got religious people all over the place, but they have no relationship. You've been, you've been coming to church for a long time, but you have no relationship with God. You don't know anything about serving. So why don't you get into the serving mode? You know how better the, 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 the church will be when you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ and you start to serve the body? The Jews left the synagogue, but they were unchanged. That was just another good sermon. They left with the knowledge, but no obedience. They had heritage, but they did not have faith. They had been called by God, but they didn't earn it. They had the kingdom in their hands. They had the prophets. They had the written word. They had the words of Moses. They, Abraham was their father, but they did not do what they knew. And the next Sabbath came around. And new people walked in. And when Paul started to preach, man, those people lit up. And they received the word that the apostle was preaching. The Gentiles came to church. In fact, it looked like the whole town. See, that's the difference. The Sabbath before, the whole town didn't come. 
But because the Jews who had gone there all the time at the synagogue all the time. Because they didn't receive it and they didn't obey it and did nothing with it. Well, guess what? We're going to find somebody who will do something with this. We're going to find somebody who will do and not just hear. And when they did that, the whole city came out and the Gentiles flooded the church. They flooded the synagogue. They took up all the prime seats. (laughs) They embraced what the Jews rejected. The Jews had position, but they did not have obedience. And in the end, jealousy ate them up like Saul. Envy and jealousy devoured them. It devoured them. It devoured Saul until finally he plotted to kill David. He was so mad at God, he wanted to take it out on the warrior that was serving him. He was so angry at God and upset with the prophet, he wanted to kill the man that was next in line. He found ways and thought of ways. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you my daughter to marriage. But, but, when, but the moment he came to, to have his daughter, he gave her to another man. And then he said, listen, you can have my other daughter, Michael, but I'll tell you what you got to do. You got you to go kill 200 Philistines and bring back some body parts so I know you killed them. And the Bible says he did that thinking that David would fall in battle. But David didn't fall in battle. Because what Saul didn't know was that when nobody was around, David said, I took that bear by the hair and I slew him with my hands. And I took that lion by the jaw and I ripped him out. Long before I ever met a Philistine, I can take on a bear, I can take on a lion, and I can take on Goliath, and 200 mean nothing to me. Why did Saul think that? Because Saul still thinks that the sling will not get the job done. You're not wearing any armor. You should have been more like me. Then you could have killed them. But I know you're going to die because you got nothing. What Saul did not know was that when David went to battle, he said, I come to you with a, I come to you in the name of the Lord. You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Saul forgot. Jealousy ate him up. Destroyed him. Said, I, 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 don't want, I don't want this man taking my place. And jealousy ate up the Jews. They didn't want the Gentiles taking their place. They said, we've been given. We're the children of Abraham. Jesus said, oh, wait a second. The Lord can raise, God can raise up these stones to become the children of Abraham. If you don't want it, I can do something else. So I'm thankful for all the position and the gifts and the things that we have, the revelations of the mighty God. But that's not enough. He's commissioned you to do something with what you have. We're 40%. It's time for us to double. It's time for us to double. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep teaching. But you don't need another word for you to get out there and find a friend and make a friend and bring him to God. You don't need another word. You don't need more knowledge. You don't need more boldness. You just take what you've got. That's enough for you to reach this entire city. It's time for you to do what you hear and not just hear and go home. Do not leave the church the same way you came. Your ending can be better than your beginning. Um, I, I spoke to a pastor recently and he confided in me, so I'm, I won't say who or where. 
Uh, he, he, was, he was very down, and he said, uh, I've I preached to the church many, many years now, and, but, uh, but they got a lot of heritage, you know. They've got a lot of heritage, and they've been in the church a long time. And he said, they, they're, really not, they're, really not, they're not hateful, but they just don't, really don't want any new people. And, and they said to him, they, they said, Pastor, we really like the church just like it is. And new people will, will change us. And, 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 and they said, we love you and we, we love your wife and we love her piano playing. But, but we, we don't, we're not, we're not really into, into, you know, having a whole bunch of new folks come in. We, we're enjoying where we are. And, and he said, I've been frustrated because the members, the saints, they, they want to be fed. But they won't give out what I give them. And, and I say today, everybody wants good worship. We want a good worship service, but we don't put service in our hands. And we, 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 we think that just having some friends in the church is enough. No, you need a friend that doesn't know the Lord. And, and, and I'll tell you how you get included. I'll tell you how you can be my best friend. I, I, don't, I don't need another Umi Grill card and a, another, another gift card. I'll tell you what I need. I need you to go find somebody and bring him to Jesus. And, and that's the best thing. That's the only thing that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the world that's lost. I'll tell you what the ministry has got into today in America. We keep consoling the saved and we save the saved. How many times can the saved be saved? Until the saved decide the world is lost. We are without excuse and we got to reach the world. I'm happy if the Lord gives you visions. I'm glad if the God gives you dreams. But that does not mean you're spiritual. I want you to be spiritual and I want you to have a dream. I want you to be spiritual and I want you to have the gift of prophecy. I want you to be spiritual and I want you to have the word of knowledge. But if you think because you've got a gift that you are qualified for heaven, I got some sad news for you. God gave you a position, but it's time for you to get into a relationship. You are without excuse. All right. So I'm calling this meeting to order. And I present a resolution to the body. I think it's time to have a church business meeting. Jesus said, I'm about my father's business. So this is father's business meeting right now on Sunday morning. What is the date anyway? November, what is it? All right. That looks like that's up for negotiation too. Whatever you feel it is, we won't rest on that. Here's the father's business meeting. We resolve today, I submit, that we resolve stopping and starting. We're going to stop complaining And we're going to start obeying. All in favor say aye. Motion carried. We're going to stop mouthing everybody and talking bad. And we're going to start lifting everybody up. Everybody in favor say aye. We're going to stop coming to church folding our hands and thinking it's about us. And we're going to think it's about Jesus and the world. All in favor say aye. to stop being religious and we're going to start being apostolic. Everybody in favor, say aye.
you have it, you've got it. We've got it. We are without excuse. We're going to have a Holy Ghost revival. Something about Jesus. Something about Jesus. I'm not going to the synagogue and leaving the same way I came. Now we need to let the Spirit marinate us now. Open up your mouth and begin to speak and begin to praise Him and begin to magnify the Lord wherever you are. Begin to magnify the Lord. You are loved. You are embraced. You are needed in this church. And that's a lie of the devil that tells you anything otherwise. You don't need me to tell you personally. I'm telling you personally right now. Get in the church. Love the Lord. Love the doctrine. And find somebody that doesn't know it. Yodobo <laughs> Shatai. Come on, I'm, I'm, I'm entertaining this presence of God right now. Let the Lord do the work. Let the Lord help us, Lord. Spirit, you got to help us because we're without excuse. If you've got the Holy Ghost speaking out of your mouth right now, pray until you start speaking in other tongues. You need to ask God for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry, Lord. I've been thinking about myself. I've been thinking about my own feelings. But I'm going to put them aside. And I'm going to start doing the kingdom work.